Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. I just want to explain real quick, when we ask for people to stand for Scripture, why we do that. The church in globally is the only spirituality, only religion that stands and sits, stands and sits, sings, and hears the Bible. We do that because the thrust of our authority in the church is giving reverence to the Scriptures. And every time we preach any portion of the Bible... The authority is not in the preacher. The authority is in the Word of God. And so that's part of our liturgy at 180, to respect the Word. So just want to explain to you that we don't just do it to annoy you. (laughs) But welcome, everyone, for those who are joining us all over the different parts of the country and the world, and for those of you who joined us here live in Central Park. What an amazing day. Let's give God some praise for this beautiful weather. This election, in many ways, was a microcosm of the best and worst impulses of our country. Some of us in New York or metropolitan areas are breathing a sigh of relief, but other parts of the country, half the nation, can't breathe. One part of the nation is cheering and in jubilant. Other parts of the country are protesting. The truth is, the work is just beginning. For one part of the country, their whole goal was to remove the incumbent currently, which they succeeded. But in many ways, I know people in New York feel like this. It's like the dog that caught the car. We've been working so hard for the last few years to remove the president. But now what? And for those of us who won the election, who voted for our candidate, should know how the other half should feel. And this is my address today. I know it's tempting to gloat. But we should not, because this dark period of doing the real work begins now, and we have, again, to work together. There have been fewer darker hours in our country than this moment, but maybe not more so than in March 4th, 1861, the date of Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address. Seven states had already seceded from the Union, The Civil War was imminent while denouncing secession as insanity and lawlessness. Lincoln called for unity, desperately hoping to mitigate an armed conflict. Lincoln ended this speech with a poignant and desperate plea. And this is what he said. And I pray that we meditate 
on perhaps the greatest country, the greatest president this country has ever seen. With malice toward none, with charity for all. With firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve a cherished and just lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. What a prayer. With malice toward none and charity for all. Can you tell that to someone in your blanket? Malice toward none and for charity for all. Lincoln had a vision. When you enter a reconstruction in this country, have gone through many periods of reconstruction, we must not have malice and we must not gloat even though that could be tempting. You cannot defeat evil with evil and you cannot defeat lawlessness with lawlessness. The only way you can defeat evil is what? With love. How did Christ defeat sin and evil? Love on the cross. We cannot simply accept the grace amazingly in our lives and not give it to those who need it most now. So today, I want to talk about that speech that Lincoln addressed the Union appealing to the better angels of our nature. How can we do that? There's no better passage than that, than the great Samaritan, the good Samaritan. So let's look at that passage now. And I want to just give you, because you know the parable, real simple homily. The point of the parable and the lesson of the parable. A lot of people miss, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, these two critical points. People look at the Good Samaritan as the example of what it means to be a neighbor. To love who you disagree with the most. To care for, to be generous with those you might even hate and those who might hate you. These geographic boundaries, these ideological boundaries. And Jesus gives at the crux of this tension the hope of the gospel. That the church, this tent, is not a tent for saints that are saved by works, but what? Sinners that are saved by what? Grace. So what's the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? First point, and the main thrust of the, of the parable Jesus gives is that fear stokes our worst impulses. Tell someone next to you in your blanket, fear stokes our worst impulse. Yes, fear stokes our worst impulse. How many people here are proud when you give into your worst impulse? Raise your hand. You're not, right? No one is. I give into my worst impulse all the time with my family when I snap at my kids and my wife, because here I am, I, I, I was writing this message. 
I was writing a brilliant epiphany of a book I'm working on. And then the pandemic has caused homeschooling, which is a existential crisis for every parent in America. And Josh, my youngest, will go, Dad, we're reading. And I just had a Nobel idea, a novel idea, and it just disappeared. And because it's the pandemic, it's not just what's for dinner, it's what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, what's for snack. It's nine times to 10 times a day, what are we eating? And you snap. And every time I snap, it's expedient and it relieves the fear of losing something brilliant but it leaves awkwardness in the room. Daddy's hangry again. When we give into our worst impulses, it does not, it does not produce within us something that we want to live like. So when you look at the pair of the Good, uh, Good Samaritan, first you need to look at those who abdicated responsibility for their neighbor, which is the priest and the Levite. They ran because what? Fear brings out the worst impulse in humanity. But that's not all we are. Right now, the people protesting this election are giving to their worst impulse. Fear and denial. But that's not all they are. It doesn't define who they are. The human being is filled with complexity. So what are we going to do? Just cancel each other? The cancel culture? There is someone, there is a son that has divorced his mother. Not in marriage, but like a family, because she voted for Trump. This cancel culture that we're living in this moment, when you cancel people because of their ideology, when you cancel people because you disagree, that's what Facebook has become. How many people go on Facebook? Nothing. People used to be, wish me happy birthday all around the world. I got like three happy birthday wishes last year. No one, why? Because Facebook's mission in the very beginning was to create a more open and connected world. Mark Zuckerberg, right out of Harvard, was naive, right? He was like, you, this utopian idea, we're going to give people technology, and they're just going to get closer together. And they're going to have fuzzy, warm feelings about the pictures of each other. They're going to build community. And then Sheryl Sandberg came into Facebook and realized that this is a novel idea, but it's very difficult to monetize. And so Facebook changed their mission to build community within your own insularity. The only way they found that you can make money is to feed what you already believe in. And that's why no one shares anything. The cancel culture. So today, as we come together, I want to read you Abe's appeal to appealing to our better angels, the better angels of our nature. And this is also Biden's approach, the president-elect that we need to pray for, that he can unite and heal this country. So let me read you that now. This is what Abe said. I am loath to close. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. 
Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory stretching from every battlefield, patriot grave, to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land, we yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be by the better, sorry, better angels of our nature. So humanity has a dualistic side to us. The cowardly side, the one that gives to fear, and then the other side, the better nature. Today, that's what we need to learn about the Levite and the priest. And all of us have been cowards. All of us have preserved our own self-interest. But today, if we're going to heal this country together, you're going, you and I are going to have to cross the aisle and begin to love those people we disagree with. Now, <laughs> I'll be honest, that's much easier said than done, but that's why the gospel exists. To forgive, to redeem, to heal, to bridge the gap. So how, how do we do that? And that's the lesson. And this is the lesson of the parable. Love does. Especially when you don't want to. Everyone, every husband here knows this. Love does. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a sentiment. Love does. When you look at this passage, it said that the Good Samaritan had pity on the man. But the word pity is a bad translation of the Greek. Because you could read, if you really directly translate it from Greek, it would be, it turned his stomach violently. Let me tell you right now something about me. Don't let this Ivy fleece shirt fool you. I grew up in this park right here with my friends down the block when the cribs and the bloods were all here. We couldn't even come to this park. We had Tupac and Biggie. And I am a byproduct of my psychosocial environment. Therefore, I too am an urbanite with gangster proclivities, okay? I'm, I mean, don't let it fool you. I mean, I am strictly against the president. And it's really tested me personally in my life because I have friends in the White House. I've been invited. In the day of the election, I had many of my friends praying with the president on Zoom, everything in me, the unsaved me, wanted to do something violent, that, that turning of violence. Like, why are you spiritualizing this? And I wanted to vent. And I wanted to be a gangster for a second. Because it didn't go my way. And how many people remember the night of the election? What did you think when you were hearing the, the poorly reported election? excruciating. This is going to happen again. And so when you look at the Good Samaritan, that word pity, it means that it, it took everything for him. It turned his stomach violently. But love does. Tell someone in your blanket, love does. Yes, hold their hand together. Love does. Love is not a feeling. So you do it even though you don't want to. 
I was tempted in the last three and a half years to cut off so many relationships. Just unfollow, block. If I don't hear it anymore, then I don't have to, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But God convicted me. If we cannot have a conversation and be in relationship with people who disagree, and it will take violence, not physical violence, but violence turning in, inside. But the good Samaritan prevailed. Why? Because he appealed to the better angels of his nature. And today, I'm calling us to not gloat because the real work begins. We're like the dog that caught the car. Now what? We have to heal the union. So this will require for some of us to dig deep, forgive, pray, and pray that we become like Jesus. Because that's the only way we're going to heal this moment. So will you stand with me now as we pray together for the new president-elect and for all of us Will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? Folks, the last four years have been about stoking fears of each other. It's caused fa fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and families to be broken up, marriages to be broken up. And it made ideology the idol that what you believe, or even the worst part about yourself, defines who you are. We need to pray today that we become a generation that's anti-cancel culture, and we need to become the grace culture. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus forgave the Roman soldiers that were brutally killing him and said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And a lot of times people's hate and fear say things that they don't mean. So let's not cancel people. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that God appeals. Helps us to the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln said. And that we become men and women that can be the light. Let's sing this and make this our prayer. Bow our hearts. We bend our knees. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes. We turn our eyes. From evil things. From evil things. Oh, Lord, we oh, cast down our idols. So give us clean hands. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to one another. Let us not lift our souls to one another. And give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to one another. Let us not lift our souls to one another. Oh God, let us be a generation, a generation that sees. Your face. Who seeks your face? Oh, 
Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be. A generation that seeks, who seeks your face, O God of Jacob. O God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Folks, as we conclude our worship service today, the parable gives us a challenge and a danger. If all of us in New York here, highly mobile, highly educated, continue to not cross over the ideological aisles and not have someone in our lives that disagree with us, everyone that has our values, then there's no way that change could happen. Transformation can happen. If you want to connect a more open and connected world, if we really want to create community in the United States, friction is necessary. And I know our culture is a culture of avoidance. But conflict does not have to be all bad. Ask anyone married. Because if they don't argue, they're not really married. Currently in our country, the secular media, whatever you watch, CNN or Fox News, appeal to their demographic. And even in the Christian nation, in the church, 17% view on immigration is viewed by the secular media, not the Bible, not the church. The most effective way to change someone's heart and someone's mind is to be in relationship with them, to let them get to know you, you get to know them. This year, as we go into 2021, I want to give you that challenge. I pray the Holy Spirit give you friends and family members to just be with, to be present, to take that step, even though it turns you violently off, move toward that tension, cross over the aisle, and start building a bridge, not a wall. I believe President Biden-elect is a bridge builder. That's what we need at this moment, leaders. More than anything, we need bridges. That's, that's what's going to heal this nation. So will you pray with me as we close?
Father, we come before you today. We pray for the president-elect. Father, we pray that you would give him wisdom. You would grant him favor. That he would appeal to this nation to help us appeal to the better, better angels of our nature. We pray that we become bridges ourselves and that we heal this nation. That we wouldn't worship any ideas or ideology, but would become brothers and sisters in Christ, committed to flourishing together. We bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say amen. God bless you. Enjoy the day in the sun. Hey, everyone. We want to let you know about an event that's coming up very soon. On November 13th, many of us here at 180 Church are going to be taking part in an event called Extra Life, a 24-hour gaming marathon designed to help raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. These hospitals, located throughout the country, have the sole purpose of bringing great care to kids in great need. And Extra Life is one of the ways that we as a community help to raise money for these hospitals, including the ones that are in our very own backyard. These hospitals aren't at work just during the pandemic, but every day throughout the year, they're helping kids that have life-threatening and very dangerous diseases, and they do everything that they can to give them the best possible care. And they need our help to keep them going. On November 13th, we're going to be gaming for 24 hours in order to raise money for them, and we'd like to invite you guys along on the journey. You can check out our team webpage at extra-life.org slash teams slash team180church. You can join us on November 13th, you can join us in playing games, and you can help us raise some money for these great hospitals. We hope to see you there. Don't miss out. Don't be sus. Hey guys, it's Hyun here. I just wanted to give a quick announcement about our upcoming care package event for 180 Fellowship. Um, as we have done in the past this year, we will be giving out 200 care packages to NYU students, both in New York and outside of New York, including international students. I just wanted to say two things about these care packages. The first is that we will be partnering again with the AMM to provide um, custom-made NYU sweaters that say together on it. Um, as you can see, the font and sort of the spacing is a little off, um, and that's to reflect the way in which we sort of feel a little bit off in this pandemic. However, together, there's meaning and together um, there's purpose. Also in our care packages, we will be including handwritten letters inside Muji notebooks as we have done in the past. However, this year, we will allow for all 200 participants to include a message of their own and randomize it and write it into each notebook so that everyone who receives a notebook will receive our handwritten letter as well as a, a small note from another participant to really show that we are in this together, we are in community and we're not alone. So we would love your support on this. Um, any amount that you're willing to give will all go towards the shipment of these care packages. 
um, to people mainly outside of New York and we believe that this is actually the most important part because these are the people who probably need these care packages the most. So we just thank you in advance for your heart and your prayers over this and we can't wait to see how God will use this and you and us um, in his greater plan. So thank you guys again. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase Quick Pay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you. and to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.